And welcome back to another episode of the 8-Tracks, Cassettes, and Stereos podcast. Uh, as always, you can find us on both Spotify and Apple Music at 8-Tracks, Cassettes, and Stereos, and on Instagram at 8-Tracks, Cassettes, and Stereos podcast. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm Mike. Mike, it's good to have you uh, back in the same time zone. I uh, I agree. It's kind of messing with my mental clock, but it's pretty nice. Yeah, so I know when we la- left off last time, you and Danny were uh, heading down to the Den Co concert, and then you were going to drive back to Arizona. So uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of uh, insight on how the show was and how the travel was? Yeah, so basically I haven't really done a whole lot besides traveling and <clears throat> going to the Dead & Co. concert. Uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting experience. Um, I put it all over the Instagram page, just a couple of the songs, but I didn't really put a whole lot of the fanfare in. When we go down in uh, late June for the next show, we'll make sure we take a lot more content videos for about the fans, but um, I mean, if you guys thought the Taylor Swift's uh, tailgates were, were pretty hardcore, these are, uh, it's like a circus act. It's people walking around with nitrous oxide can- canisters. It's just like, I didn't do any of it, obviously, because I don't want to lose brain cells, but. Not a drug it's guy. Go- it's pretty goofy. Uh, so we got there. We went to, uh, Pizzeria Bianco before that. Um, if anybody has Netflix, he's on an episode of like Pizza Masters on Netflix. It's like the Barbecue Masters mini series, but for pizza. It's in like the first episode. Um, he's a guy from New York City. He just took his business out to to Arizona. He was like, I don't even do. Um, and he's it's he, he makes like the best pizza I've ever had. It was unbelievable. So we started off there, got to the show, parked around four o'clock right when parking opened up, had a couple sodas um, out by the car and went to the merch table, picked up a sweet poster, uh, got a shirt. And then we went back to the car, kind of relaxed a little bit. And then we got, we got in our line to get in right at five 30, but the line was ridiculously long. And then we, we got perfect lawn seats, probably, you know, 20, 30 feet away from where the amphitheater starts um, like sit down seating. So it was great. Um, it's, it's a sight to be seen though. I mean, what I recommend is if you're interested in starting and you want to see what it's like, you know, they're on tour right now and they post a first set preview and a second set preview on YouTube. The first set's always fast paced. It's more like, you know, five to eight minute long songs and then they they always finish they typically finish the first set with like a pretty high paced song they finish with casey jones john mayer killed it he sold for like four minutes and then just when you thought the song was going to be over they went back into another blues solo he just destroyed it um started the second set with here comes sunshine i believe like here comes sunshine um, by the beatles no that's here comes the sun oh here guy. Oh, okay. Sorry, I misheard you. Yeah. Here comes sunshine. Yeah, here comes sunshine. And then they did Scar- Scarlet Begonias, and they normally play Scarlet Begonias into Fire on the Mountain, 
but they did Scarlet Begonias followed by Viola Lee Blues and then a Spanish type music jam. And then just when you thought that they weren't going into Fire on the Mountain, and then they went right into it, finished off with U.S. Blues, Encore Ripple, unbelievable show. Uh, I was hoping for Deal. I was hoping for Uncle John's Band. Um, I knew they weren't going to play Bertha. I was really hoping for Uncle John's Band. And what I was really salty for was the Dallas show got good times. I wanted them to start with good times. I wanted to hear Brown Eyed Women. They played that. They played Jack Straw. That's what I wanted to hear. They played Uncle John's Band. That's what I wanted to hear. And they finished it with Touch of Grey. That's a great set list, but I'm really glad we got what we got. Um, If anybody's a fan of like 60s, 70s classic rock, Guardians of the Galaxy, Dear Mr. Fantasy, they played that with a Hey Jude reprise at the very end. It was a smaller venue. Fits only about 15,000 people. Uh, It's got an amphitheater like uh, Ravinia, but the lawn obviously isn't that big. So it was pretty intimate. A lot of jamming. A lot of dragging songs out. But it just captivates you. It was great. Um, and then the car ride home. We drove 27 hours. Listen to my car playlist that I put up on the page. Highly recommend listening to it. It's got a good different balance between, you know, your typical road trip 70s songs. It's got modern songs. It's got ACDC, like hard rock stuff. Um, good for just sitting there on the road, not doing anything was so close to finishing the whole playlist. Unfortunately, you know, you get mixed up in the queue and we had like 20 songs remaining on the last day. Never listened to the playlist from front to back all the way through, but I'm going back out again and I look forward to being able to to listen to that thing all the way oh, through yeah. and get the it's 21 hours long, so it's a haul, but it it was it was good. So if any of you guys followed it, highly recommend giving it a listen. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been busy. A lot of a lot of back and forth stuff. Yeah, and then we're uh, obviously traveling later this week, so you're not really catching a break at all. But uh Neil yeah. say had a good time with you this weekend. We were down at the uh, Indy five hundred for our annual family trip. Uh I realized that this is my fifteenth Indy five hundred that uh, just happened last weekend, which is pretty wild to think that I've been going to them since 2006, and I've only missed three. Uh, if you've never been to the Indy, I think Mike would agree that uh, I would highly, highly yeah. recommend it. It's the uh, I'd say it's the perfect combination of very rich people and very white trash people and everyone in, be- in between. Uh, they packed, I yeah. think they unofficial estimate was there was about 300,000 people at the race and just like bouncing around the, uh, the concourse and, and camping all week. Uh, so, you know, when we go down there for the race weekend, we, we typically go down just for a couple of days, go to the race, then come home. There's people that go down and are just amping, getting trashed and partying for, you know, a week to two weeks leading up to the race. And, uh, by the time you get to Sunday, you can yeah. definitely tell that, uh, people have uh, been through the ringer. So, uh, but you know, it's pro- I guess I said this to someone over the weekend. It's probably top five weekend during the year for me. And it's one of the best sporting events that I've ever been to as well. We don't follow 
indie racing very closely at all. That's usually the first question that I get when I tell people I'm going to the race. But for the week leading in, I I brush my uh, brush back up on the knowledge and uh, make sure I know who's running, pick the guys I want to win, and then pretty much just go down to Indy and party with the rest of the uh, you know half a million people that are down there. So uh, I guess the the question I wanted to pose to you was. Um, what do you think is your favorite Indy 500 memory? Um, Could be anything. Could be, you know, the years we went down in the RV. Different, di- different people watching, different race finishes. Well, I like the tattoo contest, and I was really disappointed at the very end because I saw a guy that had two full sleeves of an entire beach scene. <laughs> Turtles and like, like fires set up on the beach and there were pirate ships on his arm. And I'm like, no, that can't be the wacky one, but it definitely was. But I think my favorite memory is seeing Hilo Castroneves climb the fence. Yeah. It was pretty early. It may have been like the second or third time I went. But, you know, it would have been cool to see Santino Ferrucci uh, win, the but Italian he kind of got robbed at the end. Honestly, this was a pretty good race, though. Yeah. This oh, was yeah. Jo- one, I mean, I mean, Joseph fun, Newgarden climbed into the stands. There was three, two or three red flags. Yeah, I'd say this was definitely yeah. a top five. That was actually a pretty cool memory. Years. For sure. Yeah, I mean... I guess when I sat down and thought about it after the race, I feel like we hadn't seen a good one, quote unquote, in a couple of years. And we took two years off for COVID and came back last year. And I just felt like it didn't have the same sizzle. And then this year, I felt like the crowd was back into it. The race was electric. We had a sick finish. Like you said, Joseph Newgarden won and immediately got out of his car and and climbed under the fence Mm -hmm. and went into the stands and partied with the fans, which was sick. So... Yeah, yeah, I'd say between that, seeing Castroneves, and then also my first year when uh, Sam Hornish Jr. slingshotted around the Andretti's and won by like a millisecond, that was bonkers. And pretty much then I've been hooked. So, so yeah, another Memorial Day weekend gone. Another Indy 500 has uh, passed us. So looking forward, to, already looking forward to next year, needless to say. But other than that, haven't been doing a ton. I mean, just getting ready for work to be done and for us to go on our vacation. Uh, I have watched a couple of documentaries recently, uh, and I'll touch on one of them as well when we get into maybe a little bit more uh, current events, sad news, and uh, rock history. But I recently, I think I mentioned it to you, watched a documentary on Netflix about Garth Brooks called The Road I'm On. Hand up. I am uh, definitely in the dark when it comes to country i have i'm starting to get into it and i've been getting into it over the last five to ten years but since garth brooks isn't on any streaming services i don't know what his like he he's not on anything he's not on apple music he's not on amazon music he's not on spotify or anything so you know having being someone that's new to the country music scene, I feel like that is hindering me from getting to know him besides the songs like Friends in Low Places that we're always playing at the bars in college and at parties. Um, but the document, so the, needless to say, the documentary, very eye-opening. 
you know, I knew he was big. I, I remember looking at like Almanacs when I was a kid and he had all the records for like country music artists and stuff. But I think I gained a lot more appreciation for what he did for country music overall in the 90s and like, quote unquote, like making it cool. Um, yeah, I feel like him and Shania Twain were like the guy and the girl in the 90s that really made country music more like socially relevant, I'll call it. Um, and made it more popular across mainstream music. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's still on Netflix yet, but I'm sure you can find it on one of the other, you know, streaming services, but would highly, highly recommend watching that doc. Again, it's called The Road I'm On. It goes through like his whole career, like how he started, you know, him taking some time off during his career and quote unquote retiring and coming back. So it's very, very Mm -hmm. cool. So I know you've seen Garth Brooks, which I'm kind of jealous about, but yeah, I knew like two of his songs, but it was pretty fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard the concerts are absolutely bonkers. They looked like they were crazy in the dock. So yeah, he had like a, like a 360 stage. So he just took him around and made sure he played with everyone. And then he was like, hadn't people were putting up posters and he was playing song suggestions from the posters. That's sick. It's pretty cool. That's sick. Um, so yeah, so I, like I said, just watched that doc and then, you know, I did want to bring up this other doc in conjunction with some more sad news. Uh, if you hadn't seen it in the past week, we lost a, a rock icon and legend in Tina Turner. She passed away on May 24th of this year. I don't know exactly how old she was, but she was definitely in her early eighties. She was 83, I think. Yeah. I knew she was in her early eighties. I, I didn't know she was not in great health or anything like that. So it kind of snuck up on me and I've been mm-hmm. listening to a lot of Tina Turner over the past week or so. Obviously she has bangers, but the reason that I brought up, uh, you know, watching documentaries and stuff is during COVID uh, when I lived with Austin, uh, if you've watched uh, or listened to episode four of the podcast, you know, who our buddy Austin is lived with him for two years when I first moved to Chicago and we decided during COVID to watch a documentary called Tina that had just came out on HBO. Um, it was just about her whole career starting off, you know, with Ike and Tina Turner and then her breaking, you know, divorcing him eventually, thank God, and starting her own solo career um, and how it took her a long time to legitimize herself and like solidify herself as a solo artist. But, you know, again, that was another person artist that I just didn't know a lot about I obviously like knew her hits and stuff like Proud Mary and whatnot when she was with Ike but didn't really know too much about her other than that and after having watched the doc it's very very emotional and powerful I think it's even more culturally relevant now and I'm sure it'll be getting a lot more views and and whatnot with her pat recent passing but yeah you know I think the thing that I just didn't realize is how impactful she was and like I said, how long it took her to legitimize herself after she got divorced and separated from Ike, which that guy is a fucking bastard. Like he is a oh, terrible yeah, he's person. A, he's yeah, he's awful. Yeah, horrible person. And and thank God she was able to get out of that relationship and go off on her own. Um, but you know, it, I feel like she released a couple of albums and she was touring a lot and it wasn't really working out. And then she released Private Dancer her like breakthrough mm-hmm. solo album and just like a rocket ship to the moon pretty much after that. Like everyone was like, Oh damn, like 
she can do it on her own. Yeah. Like she doesn't need Ike anymore. So again, yeah, very sad. It kind of, I feel like you bring it up sometimes when we talk about people that have passed, but it's just like, you know, artists that we listen to growing up are getting older and it makes you sad. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I, if an artist is coming through town and they're older, I have to, from now on, like, I have to go see them. Like, as many of you know, yeah. my number one bugaboo or problem with concerts is I always think I'm going to be able to see the person again or they pass through town again. And, you know, with like people like Tom Petty or, or and others, I I haven't been able to, obviously, because they passed away um, suddenly. So, you know, Bruce Springsteen's coming through Chicago later this summer. I'm definitely, definitely seeing him. I don't care. I'll clear my schedule because who knows how much longer he'll be touring for. But, you know, wanted to make sure we gave a special shout out to, to Tina Turner. Rest in peace. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, we lost, lost an icon for sure. Yeah, she's the titled the queen of rock and roll. Yeah, definitely oh, for good influence. reason. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <clears throat> All right, well, shall we get into a little Vinyl Friday recap? Um, so, you know, I feel like we maybe should have gotten to this before, but by the time you're hearing this episode, we are going to be time, you know, we're kind of time traveling right now. Um, so we'll talk about the Vinyl Friday um, that was just released, and then we'll talk about one that will be released, um, and it'll be live by the time you guys hear this episode. But I think we could probably kick it off with the one that we issued last week over Memorial Day, um, which is inspired by the recent uh, release of their newest studio album, Walk Around the Moon, um, and it's Come Tomorrow by Dave Matthews Band. So uh, you can kind of see it behind me here. I have the album up there uh, on the, uh, which is the black and white album. But to give a quick bio and background, the album was released in June of 2018. And the thing that I think is most uh, interesting or cool about the album is that it's a bit of a compilation um, in the sense that many of the songs, albums, or songs, albums, album songs uh, were previously uh, played live in concert, but never recorded formally in a studio. I think if I go back and look at the post, uh, you'll see that nine of the 16 songs on the track list were songs that they had been playing on tours and concerts, but never actually sat down and informally recorded, which I think is really cool because it gave fans a new perspective or a new version, for lack of a better term, of some of their favorite songs. I think like mm-hmm. Can't Stop and maybe the idea of you had been being played in concerts since like the early 2000s. Um, and then, you know, the way that it was described in my research, the band said they had all these songs, they wanted to record them. They never had recorded them before. Um, and then pretty much from there, it just, they gave them the creative juices and the creative energy started flowing and they just pumped, kept pumping out more songs to the point where they, they had a double album really with 16 total songs. So um, wanted to give a final special shout out to my personal favorite song on the album, which is Here On Out. Um, shout out Kalen. This is our song uh, that I think of when I think of Kalen. So, uh, you know, wanted to make sure I gave that one a special shout out. So did you have any thoughts on Come Tomorrow? Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a I'm not really in the light of Dave Matthews. 
I th- I respect him a lot. I like him. We're going to see him this summer. I'm just starting to get into him. So I just need to dive down the rabbit hole. But I've heard here on out, great song, great lyrics. The album cover is very cool. Um, if you guys haven't really looked at it, it's got a bunch of different, like, Peter Pan-like looking things. There's a pirate ship, right? There's people, like, in hot air balloons. So I think artistically it's got to be one of the coolest albums I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, we posted on our social pages or um, a bunch of pictures and videos of the, of the different designs on the album yeah. and everything. And the inter- it's a, uh, it was issued obviously in a time where vinyl wasn't super big, but it's been re- uh, recently reissued on vinyl. Um, and it's a gatefold album, which if you don't know what gatefold is, it's like, it's not just like a front and back. It like opens up like a book yeah. and inside is crazy, crazy designs and stuff like Mike mentioned. So mm-hmm. um, if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check the uh, A-Track social page and uh, you'll see what I mean. But if there's no other thoughts on Come Tomorrow, we could probably transition over to uh, our time traveling vinyl Friday, um, which we'll be issuing in a, by the time you guys hear this episode. But uh, it's Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA album. Very, very iconic, Bruce. Um, if you yeah. don't know, do a very, very short bio. Widely considered one of the greatest uh, rock albums of all time. Hit store shelves in June 1984, and it was the um, E Street Band's seventh studio album. And as I mentioned, it's one of the highest grossing albums of all time in the U.S. It went 17 times platinum which means it sold 17 million copies and uh, in the U.S. And then it actually sold 30 million copies worldwide. Uh, it features some of Bruce's greatest hits, which include Glory Days. Shout out our first tracklist takedown. We were talking about yeah. that song. Uh, and song. then uh, Dancing in the Dark and I'm on Fire. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the title track, Born in the USA. Um, yeah. So. Mike, any thoughts or uh, comments on this all-time hit? Uh, I mean, so I was looking at the notes. You haven't mentioned it yet, so I'm totally going to shank it. But watch the music video. Courtney Cox is in the music video. She's the dancing girl. And she was like some random girl. Pulled her up on stage at the time. She was like trying to be an actor and a model, but they pulled her up on stage and she was dancing with Bruce Springsteen. So it did help her like get onto the acting scene so it's kind of cool but i mean i think like when you think of bruce springsteen this is one of the first albums that i think people associate him with it's got you know on spotify that his top three streaming songs are literally all the ones from this this album dancing in the dark i'm on fire born in the usa um but it's iconic it's iconic bruce um and it's got that history with Courtney Cox. So I think it's a it's a great album. It, I don't have it, but I really want it because it's classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure you add it to the old collection there. Yeah. Also, special shout out to the uh, Saturday Night Live episode yes. where Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler pretends to be Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And it was when Courtney Cox was hosting in the 90s. And uh, she, she like, like really, called him up on yeah. di- on stage during her her monologue yeah. and he like turned around and he it was Adam Sandler pretending to be Bruce. Yeah. Very, very funny. Classic SNL. Yeah. If you haven't seen he it, doesn't even sing the words. He's like, <laughs> it's so funny. He's <laughs> just saying a bunch of vowels for sure. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, before we transition into a different segment, I want to just give a shout out to a couple more. Uh, I guess you could call them deeper cuts on the album because they're not like the singles, but also at the same time, they're classic Springsteen. So I don't really know if I actually can consider them deep cuts, but Cover Me, great song. No Surrender and Bobby Jean, great songs mm-hmm. and My Hometown as well. So, you know, I think there's a re- obviously a reason why this was such a highly, highly successful album. Um, if you just look at the track list, it's just straight bangers and heaters. Um, I guess the last thing I did want to mention that I always find interesting about this album is uh, it was the first E Street Band slash Bruce Springsteen album to heavily feature keyboards. So I know when in some of the past Final Fridays we've talked when we were doing the airs of British rock, we were talking about like influences um, to the particular sound of albums. And I definitely think the 80s vibe fits into this but at the same time it's classic springsteen in in terms of like the lyrics and the themes and the types of songs so just kind of cool how he kind of just tweaked his sound to fit the vibes of the time so oh well i think we could probably transition into a little tape deck talk no we haven't done this in a few episodes with all the uh guests that we've been having but Figured we could get back into a little bit more of a regularly scheduled programming. So um, if you don't mind, I think looking at our question list, I think it makes more sense for maybe me to ask you the questions first. Um, so yes. I can I can kick it off with my first one, which is what is your go to music to play when you need to get in a good mood? Like if you're having a rough day and you just you need to instantly get a vibe change, what's the type of music that you uh, gravitate towards? Oh, I have an entire playlist for it. It's called Ballads. Love ballads to pump you up. Uh, it's got Aerosmith's 90s, 90s love hits, Air Supply, Making Love Out of Nothing at All, Barry Manilow, Bon Jovi's Love Does Ballads. Does Barry Manilow know you raid his wardrobe? <laughs> oh, boy. You'll get the answer to that question next Saturday in detention. Um, yeah, it's got Journey. It's got Endless Love. You know, if I'm just down in the dumps, crank that on, and it's just, like, rejuvenating. Or I listen to my party music, which is just, like, southern rock. Hell yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I I will say the, uh, the ballads are uh, maybe not my go-to pump-up music, but I can see how, uh, you know. It's pretty good. I, some of them I I can I can definitely understand, but I don't know about endless love. Just pumping that, <laughs> but I guess friends don't play you endless gotta, love in the you dark. Gotta, so you got to get the emotions out somehow, yeah. and the playlist is driven to get you to sing aloud and sing loud while sure. you're singing out loud. For sure, get I guess like the, the intensity. That's fair. I guess like I mentioned, uh, as our good friend Happy Gilmore once said, friends can listen to Endless Love in the Dark. So yes. I, uh, I might retract that former statement, but hell yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, question number two. When you go to a concert, are you a stand the whole time kind of guy? Are you a air guitar slash sing every song or like, I guess, in more broad term broad terms what are you like at a concert 
what's your stereotype i guess you could say uh i think it depends on the venue because if there's seats and it's like the united center i'm probably gonna sit down so i don't like black people's view right but i think and then i think if everyone's standing yeah i'll stand but if i'm at like a place with their seats i'm not gonna block the person behind me if the person in front of me isn't standing if the person in front of me is standing i'm standing it's a doggy dog world screw the person behind me but if it's like lawn like at this last show i was up the entire time and then we sat down during the intermission and i got back up after that and singing the entire time playing the drums playing the drums on my my thighs little thigh drum action there you go yeah there you go yeah, the reason I ask swaying, is, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. resonating with the music, vibing. For sure. Yeah. I guess the reason I ask mostly is because, you know, you just were at a concert. We're going to be going to a oh. few over the summer and whatnot. Summer concert season is in full swing. I'm definitely, I agree with you. Fuck the person behind me. Like if, if someone's standing in front of me, I have to stand. It's kind of like yeah. sport sporting event etiquette. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. If, if I, I'm not going to be the only one standing in the section, but if everyone starts to stand up, I mean, I have to. Or like if there's a big yeah. moment or I guess in terms of a concert, a great song comes on and I want to jam, yeah. I'm going to stand mm-hmm. up. Um, and if it slows down, I'll definitely sit down. But, you know, was just curious as to as to what kind of guy yeah, you are. I mean, I, th- I think it's the vibe again, because at like the Wrigley Field Dead & Co. show that we went to two years ago, everybody was standing. It didn't matter yeah. that there were seats. Like, everybody was partying. Yeah. But like when we saw Elton John at the United Center, it was an older crowd. And there, like, It was a lot more crowd. up and down, yeah. Yeah, and like people were definitely sitting the majority of the time. But that British girl still gave me a nice shout-out for having a great singing voice the entire time. There you go. There you go. I didn't know she was British until she turned around and said, nice job singing the whole time. And I'm like, thanks. I didn't know you were not from here. Yeah, nice job not trying to. I didn't actually, trying, I didn't actually uh, say that there, though. <laughs> nice job not trying to butcher the British accent there. So I wasn't going to. Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate that. All right. And then my last question for you is, what do you look for most when you go out and are buying vinyl? Are you, I guess, in other words, are you looking for specific artists? If you find a record, are you just that you want? Are you just blindly buying it? Like what when you're in a store and you're looking for vinyl, what's your uh, what's your strategy? So to start off, I want to advertise. They're not an ad ad like partner of us, but I'm advertising this app that I use called Discogs. If you have a record collection, no free ads. I, no free ads. Yeah, no, no free. This is yeah, yeah. So I would use Discogs to organize your your vinyl collection. Um, you can separate it with collections, want lists, search. So I, I have my want list right now, um, and it's got like a pretty hefty amount. So I look for those first. But I go through the whole list and I just go fluttering up and down the ABCs. Um, I go all the way down to the end, and if I find something on the want list, I pick it up and I just get it immediately. And then my maximum price is probably like $25.30, but if I don't see anything on my want list, I'll look for something that I just think is nice and I like listening to, and then I'll do that. And then if if it's under my budget and I see multiple things, 
then I just get them until it gets to like twenty twenty five dollars. Yeah. But I think organizing it on that app makes it pretty good. For sure. For sure. All right. I'll uh, pass the torch, pass the mic over to you. Uh, I am going to echo your question. What is your <laughs> like strategy when buying vinyl? For sure. So I think it's a good, it's a good question. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I do not use discogs. I, I used to use it and it was just like kind of a pain in the ass to update all the time. And I couldn't always can you sign in too. It's ridiculous, but it's yeah, a it's app. kind of, it's a good app. I think it helps a lot too in terms of figuring out if something's a good price or not. So yeah. again, if you don't use the app, you can type in the album that you want and the exact serial number of that album. Cause every issue, if you don't know every, you know, pressing every release, uh, could be a different price point. Uh, at the end of the day, like a first issue or like first pressing of an album is usually like the most expensive. But then there there are certain pressings even within, you know, a release of a particular album that are rare. I at the one I can think of, I think immediately is the Beatles one where they have like all the baby dolls that are all like with their heads cut off uh, and bloody and stuff. Really rare. It's very rare. It's a very yeah. specific release. And like they issued it, they got a ton of backlash and they immediately pulled it. So there's not that many yeah. left. Like yeah. that album, that release is very, very valuable compared to the other ones that don't have that album cover. But yeah. I guess to get back to maybe the question at hand, what I do, I don't, like I said, I don't use Discogs, but I have a, you know, I'm an accountant. Naturally, I have an Excel spreadsheet that has my entire collection on it. Um, I want list and and all that stuff. So when I go to a store, the first place I usually look is actually the new arrivals because that's typically the you know the the most high quality and it's the most uh, what's it called like recognizable albums I'll call it or like top of the line albums come because if you think about it. If it's a new arrival to the store, the, they know it's going to it's going to leave right away. Yeah, it hasn't had a time to make its way into the regular racks. So yeah. I, I usually peel through there first looking for first stuff on my want list, but then also just like great albums that are at a good price. I've had to increase my price point uh, due to, you know, the economic times that we inflation. live in. Fucking inflation is a bitch. And uh, it's vinyl also for some reason i feel like it's hit that particularly hard but um yeah I, I look for my want list look for an album that i like that's not on there that's at a good price point and then from there similarly i start just going through all the racks um starting with classic rock going through the abcs and then from there i usually go through the country albums and maybe the soul albums as well um I've used to not really like new pressings of albums because I was like, oh, it's a new pressing. It's, you know, or a reissuance. It's not it's not the original sound. But the one thing that I have started to realize is that regardless of if it's a new release or a re or like a reissuance, it's still the sound. They're the original recording before it was digitalized. So this is going to be like probably way too technical and nerdy, but if you don't know, like when they have, when they digitalize sounds uh, or songs, they have to compress them 
So it's really not the way that it sounded in the studio or like it's not the original sound that the band was intending to create, for lack of a better term. So like, if you want the most authentic version of your favorite song, vinyl is the way to go. Um, it's pretty much straight from the microphone, you know, if I, or straight from the guitar, for lack of a better term. So. I've started opening up my doors to more reissuances and and newer and albums that are from, you know, I'd say 2000 up till modern day, um, because, you know, it's I've realized that it is the most authentic sound not to get too nerdy or snobby. But yeah, long way of saying I had I kind of work my way through the stores um, going through my want list, but then also trying to just find sick albums and stuff and. I similar to concerts, I also have a problem with seeing an album I want and then not buying it. I just did it a couple weeks ago, actually, and I need to get better at that um, because I'll go, you know, I'll see an album. I'd be like, oh, I can get that another time. Yeah. And then I don't see it for months after that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely need to get better about that. But, you know, long, long winded way of saying that's my uh, strategy. That's, I mean, it's valid. It's different, though. For kind sure. The, I think the organization aspect is different. I tried the Excel sheet, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, for a nerd accountant like me, say uh, I'm at home yeah. in Excel, so it works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right what else you what, got? What is the uh, soundtrack of your life, your go-to soundtrack? I was a little confused when I originally saw this question. Are you talking about like types of music like a movie soundtrack or you were like guardians of the galaxy three, that soundtrack. But like if you were like in the Truman show, what would your soundtrack be? I feel like it's kind of a hard question to answer because I like a lot of different music. Um, I feel like my roots are definitely classic rock, but I also really like nineties alt rock um i'm starting to get a little bit into metal not too much i feel like i'm dipping my toes in the water right now with metallica um and you should listen to my starter pack playlist it's called headbangers yeah it's a great starter it's a great starter pack all right i'll give it a ch- i'll give it a try you're usually pretty yeah. good with the uh spotify created playlist all right um, then I also like country music too. Like I think I alluded to it in past episodes, but that's my go-to summer music or like backyard barbecue or, you know, Sony and 75. I want to be listening to like Brad Paisley, Toby Keith, Kenny Chesney. So I feel like, I think it would be more to maybe pivot the question a little bit. I think it would be, if you think about Forrest Gump and kind of how his whole, the movie follows his whole life and the music is changing throughout the the yeah. movie based on the times that would be kind of how my soundtrack would be like it started off in classic rock that's where my roots are that's my favorite kind of music but then over time like i started liking rap more started liking more like 90s hip-hop like beastie boys and and stuff like that and then 90s alt rock like foo fighters and nirvana allison chains um, and then Audio Slave and like Chris Cornell and Rage Against the Machines and then country music. So it kind of like it's definitely evolved and like bl- grown over time. I would say there's not really like a one type of music I don't like. Maybe like EDM. I guess that's the one thing I don't really get. 
Um, yeah. But, so, but yeah, that's kind of how my life, I think, would follow. It's like it starts with classic rock and then it just starts going off in all kinds of different directions over time. I kind of saw you as like a Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed vibe music. Like, uh, sugar, like Sugar Ray, you know, that like classic 90s alternative. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You get what you give or whatever that song was. I feel like that would that would have been your answer. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Great well, soundtrack. I just watched Shrek, actually. Shout out Shrek. Great movie. movie. Yeah. Great soundtrack. With a lot of good like 90s and 2000 songs on it. Shrek 2's soundtrack is way better than Shrek 1's. Yeah, I I feel like they stand I, on their own. I feel like I they need stand a hero at the end, sung by the fairy princess. Unbelievable. The fairy godmother. Oh yeah, the fairy godmother. What a great rendition she did. Shout out Shrek. Than great, the original. great flick. Great flick. All right, round her out here. All right. Well, so you asked me a question about uh my music to get in a good mood. But my question is, what is your cry in the car song? Like if I'm having a bad day, what kind of music do I like to listen to? No, 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 no. Like, what is your singing tears running down your cheeks like waterfalls crying in the car song? You know like I mean? a song like, that just so gets me emotionally invested. It gets me going. Yep. Uh a song I think that will just immediately, and this is probably going to be very uh, sappy and I'll get choked up talking about it, but My Old Man by Zach Brown Band oh. gets me every single time. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Just, and I think the other one, I got to look it up really quick. Um, what's this? What's the country song about the guy and his and his kid? Like, I've been. Oh, I've been. I've been watching you. Great, great, great okay. song. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Great podcasting right here. I uh, I always get in my feels when I listen yeah, to it's called... Love Out of Nothing at All. <laughs> or Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi. Great, great songs. Great songs. Yeah, yeah to, I, I looked it up. Again, great podcasting. But that song is uh, Rodney Atkins' Watching oh, You. Yeah. So that and My Old Man by Zach Brown Band bring a tear to my eye instantly. Um, you know, now again, not to get sappy, but I think it's just because my our dad had a big influence on us, you know, being music nerds and stuff. So mm-hmm. when I hear those songs, I uh, you could probably hear in my voice. I just get a little get a little choked up. Um, the goosebumps. So, yeah, definitely sends chill down my spine and whatnot. So. Yeah. Short answer before I I get too uh, emotional. It's uh, Watching You by Rodney Atkins and My Old Man, Zach Brown Band. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Are, uh, definitely Better Roses. What's yours? Bed of Roses? Um, Bed of Roses. And then, you know, if uh, Joe Baldwin's listening to this podcast, he got me hooked on these guys. Air Supply, making love out of nothing at all. You know, we oh, used yeah. to we used to scream that song coming home from Joe's at like midnight after a shift and having a couple sodas. Couple it's of great. cold sodas. Yeah. Had a boy. What about uh what about this little ditty? How about Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison? That's a great one too. You know what my like one of my favorite songs out of the ballad playlist though? I gotta find it. I mean, Ready to Take a Chance Again by Barry Manilow, great song. 
And uh, I'm ready to take a chance it's again. So Great podcast. It's, it's awesome. Um, I mean, I I want to know what love is. Another great goosebumps song. Banger. Yeah. Um, you know, November rain. I was literally me. just gonna say November rain. Oh, we November were talking Rain's about over. Guns and Roses over the weekend, yeah. and I was like, in the cold November rain. Such a good song. What about uh Kentucky rain by uh, Elvis? That one actually like, gets me uh, going too. I like when Cartman sings in the ghetto. Yeah, that one gets me going. Kentucky Rain, I think, Um, by Elvis is the biggest tearjerker for me. How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton is another classic one. Oh, huge sad song. The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics. Mike Rutherford, guitar and bass player of uh, Genesis. Mike and the Mechanics. Um... The, the singer was in the band Ace, or no, what was the one that does, what is the band that does How Long? How Long oh, is this? How Long? That, that's, yeah, it is Ace. It is Ace. I, I just yeah. saw an Instagram reel with that song yeah. in. The movie that I think, the movie I think of when I hear that song is uh, Invincible with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, also, yeah. great soundtrack. All time yeah. classic soundtrack. That great, is a great, great one. And a good movie, but that song is in there when he's like moping around town because he's, yeah. you know, his wife divorced him and he's trying to get onto the Eagles and that song's playing. I'm like, oof, mm-hmm. great, great song. Yeah. Paul Carrick is the uh, the singer in Mike and Mechanics. He was an ace and he was in Squeeze too. And he plays the pianos. It's, it's basically about like, you know, kind of like the My Old Man vibe where I think the first verse is like, basically like ripping on kids, ripping on the generation, like pointing the finger. And then as the verses go on, it's like him having a closer bond with his dad. And then his dad dies and he couldn't tell him how much he appreciated him. And then he's got a kid in the song. Jeez, man. Hears, it's so deep. Someone's so chopping good. onyons in here right so, now. Come so on. And then, like, the last verse is about how he has a kid and he hears his dad's, voice in his baby's cry that's the lyric. it's so good and it's so low-key that's actually probably my favorite song in the playlist jeez yeah somebody start the waterworks chopping onions uh, man uh, next time i fall by peter satara great song against all odds another good one Damn, you have a lot of you have a lot of what I call cold shower music on the ready. This is what bad. Sure. This is what ballads is, man. Like if you're having a crap, crap love day, like you just got broken up with, put ballads on, get the tears out, and move on. Ballads helped me many times. It's great. Gassing up your own brand there. I'm gassing Hell up yeah. all my all my playlists. You know, yeah. I have I have my my car playlist, my party music. If you want to have like a you know, you're grilling out back and you're having some bourbon, put on party oh, yeah. music, you know? Well, we were slinging that this past weekend. We finished off like yeah. half that bottle, dude. I brought like it home. The, uh, the oak water? Yeah, the brown water. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be I'm having much it. of that over the over the over on the other side of the pond. So, you know, it was good to There's have gonna enjoy that with you. There's going to be olive oil coming out of my veins and I'm going to be bleeding wine. And oh, I'm yeah. be crying limoncello. Yeah, we're gonna be yeah. we're gonna be living it up. Much needed vacation. Can't wait to get over there. 
get across the pond with you and the rest of the fam. We're going to a Cubs game on Wednesday. That'll be that will be the official start of the vacation. I think is sitting in Wrigley, having a few sodas in the uh, in the left field yep. corner. So, mm-hmm. all right, I think we could probably put a wrap on this episode. Um, again, thank you to all our loyal listeners. Uh, if you're new to the pod, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you aboard this wacky, wild ride. Um, but make sure that you like and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Music. Like and subscribe to the Atrex Cassettes and Stereos page on Instagram. And uh, I know I said it at the beginning, but Mike, glad to have you back in the uh, in the central time zone and looking forward to going on vacation, guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm hoping to find like a super Italian record while we're over there. And yeah, an Italian I'm... woman. Yes. Yes. That too. You're gonna be a uh, Vito Corleone and or uh, Michael Corleone bringing uh, bringing your wife home. Hopefully she doesn't blow yeah, up in a car she, or anything I mean, like she that. She won't die in a car though. That's yeah. For hopefully certain. no car bombs. Not no. to get morbid at the end here, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Needless to say. So yeah, yeah. Word. All right. I'll see you on Wednesday, guy. Looking forward to uh, going to the Cubs game. Take it easy. See you, guy. You too. Bye.